All right. Well, good morning again. Today's sermon is entitled Lessons on Faith. Lessons on Faith. The Greek word pistis occurs 244 times in the New Testament, and it's the word that's generally translated as faith. The Greek word pisteo occurs 248 times in the New Testament and is generally translated as believe. The only words that occur more in the New Testament are the words for God, Jesus, and Lord. That means the concept of faith and belief is talked about more in Scripture than love, mercy, sin, heaven, grace, obedience, and even spirit. What that tells me is that this topic is of utmost importance. And I'm not the only one that has come to that conclusion. We're going to spend some time today looking at the Bible. But before we get there, I'd like to share a bit of history. The 1888 Minneapolis General Conference session was a landmark event in the history of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The session discussed crucial theological issues, such as the meaning of righteousness by faith, the nature of the Godhead, the relationship between law and grace, and justification and its relationship to sanctification. Up to that point, the Seventh-day Adventist Church had emphasized a more works-based religion with a heavy emphasis on obedience. Ellen White, one of the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, said this, quote, as a people, we have preached the law until we are dry as the hills of Gilboa that had neither dew nor rain. We must not trust in our own merits at all, but in the merits of Jesus of Nazareth, unquote. Amen. But at this 1888 meeting, God chose two young men to present the most precious message of righteousness by faith. Their names were A.T. Jones and E.J. Wagner. Ellen White also wrote this, quote, A legal religion has been thought quite the correct religion for this time, but it is a mistake. The rebuke of Christ to the Pharisees is applicable to those who have lost from their heart their first love. A cold, legal religion can never lead souls to Christ, for it is a loveless, Christless religion, unquote. And it was to remedy this issue that she believed God sent Jones and Wagner to unveil the clearest presentation of the truth of righteousness by faith. This morning, I'd like to share what the Bible has to say on this matter. And there's probably no better place to get started than in Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, this is probably one of the most quoted texts in all of Scripture when it comes to dealing with the issue of faith. And note here that the biblical concept of faith is not the same as what some term blind faith. 
The New King James Version puts it this way. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Assurance and substance. Evidence and conviction. None of those equate to wishful thinking or stubbornness in the face of facts. But faith is not merely about the doctrines that we believe. It is so much more than that. Faith isn't in a what. Faith is in a who. Having faith is when we come into agreement with what God's word says simply because he said it. Faith is believing that God's word has creative power. When God says something, it becomes reality. This concept is expanded on in the opening chapter of the book of Hebrews. Verses one and two say this, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Verse three continues, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is the heir of all things. Jesus is the creator of all things. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. Jesus upholds the universe. Jesus made purification for sin. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, and Jesus was able to do all of this through the power of what? Through the power of his word. The power of his word. And Jesus is the word. As John tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And he continues on later, and he says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word, and the Word is God. This is why the word has creative power. If I pulled out my phone and I held it up and I said, look at my beautiful phone case. Isn't it lovely? It's yellow. Most of y'all would look at my phone case. You'd look at me and you'd think that either I was colorblind or that I was a liar. But if God took this same phone and said, look at this phone case, isn't it lovely? It's yellow. At that very moment that he spoke the word yellow, this phone case would become yellow. Because God cannot lie. And when God speaks, reality happens. God's words have creative power. Psalm 33, 9, believing this is faith. That's, that's, That's faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Do you believe? Do you believe? There's a tremendous story told in the book of Luke that helps to illustrate the power of faith and belief. 
Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 2. Now, a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Wow. There are a few things in this story that I'd like to call your attention to. Notice how when the elders of the Jews come to Jesus and start talking about this centurion, they start lifting, listing off all of his accomplishments in the hopes that Jesus would see this man as worthy of receiving the miracle. They told Jesus he is worthy. And they listed off his love for the nation and the fact that he built their very synagogue. They thought a person's worthiness is what mattered to Jesus. Yet when Jesus met the centurion, the man said to Jesus, I am not worthy. Yet his admittance of his unworthiness didn't keep him from believing that Jesus could heal his servant. You see, the Jewish elders believed a person's worthiness would lead to healing. But the centurion placed his faith in the right thing. He believed that Jesus could heal his servant based simply upon Jesus' authority. He told Jesus, just say the word. My servant will be healed. And how did Jesus react to that? How did Jesus react to that? He marveled. He said that he'd not seen this type of faith amongst his very own people, the people of God. And the story ends with the miracle taking place. Verse 10, and when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Dear friends, faith is not contingent on what we do. It's not about the doctrines we hold to. It's not about our worthiness. It's not about our power. It's not about our striving. No, faith is agreement between God's word and reality. Faith, faith is about believing that God holds authority over everything. Everything. And notice, too, in the centurion story that the thing was accomplished at the very moment that the word was spoken. There are a couple of other stories of Jesus like that. Faith is accepting what the word of God says and depending upon it, not yourself, to accomplish the thing that it says. And if we are speaking in a practical sense, this is how the sanctification process works. 
The Lord doesn't propose to cleanse us in any way apart from his word. But instead, we are cleansed through the word which he has spoken. There and there alone are we to look for cleansing, transforming power, receiving it as it is in truth because it's the word of God that effectually works within us and accomplishes what he pleases. God does not propose to make us pure except by the power and indwelling of his pure and powerful words. This is believing the word. This is living by the word. This is why the righteous live by faith, not circumstance. If we allow our circumstances or thoughts or feelings to dictate our life, then we will always be like a ship thrown asunder in the stormy waves of the sea. We must remember that feelings are not Lord, Jesus is. And just because we have a thought doesn't mean the thought is true. Just because we have a thought doesn't mean that we have to believe it. Our thoughts and feelings, along with life's many circumstances, are always changing and easily altered. But God's word is a firm foundation. Circumstances may tempt us to give us hope or fall into despair. But Paul gives some powerful advice on this matter in his letter to the Colossians. Chapter three, verses one and two, he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Now, let me, let me pause right there because maybe, maybe there's room here. If then you have been raised with Christ, you're thinking, well, have I been raised with Christ? Um, Paul dealt with that in, in the previous chapter, Colossians 2. He lets us know that when we were baptized, that old person of the flesh that we used to be died and we were resurrected anew in Christ. So if then you have been raised with Christ, let me add a little, little commentary there, through baptism, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. We have the ability to shift our focus and attention to things above and not below. We have to live in this world for now. Yes, we do. We Sorry to tell you, you have, you have to live in this sinful world right now. But we can place our faith, our trust, and our assurance in Christ who is in heavenly places. If we would only lose all confidence in ourselves and put our whole trust in Jesus, who is mighty to save, then not only would we have a completely different story to tell, but our experience would be richer and more full of joy. Faith leads to strength. And here's the secret of faith. It is Christ who does all the work. It is Christ who does all the work. Faith takes hold of the mighty hand of God and his unlimited power does all the work. 
Yet sadly, many of us don't experience this power because even though it's been made abundantly plain in Scripture, we don't truly know what faith is. Yes, we may know what the definition of faith is, but we don't know what faith itself is because we don't yet grasp what the idea within the definition is. Again, faith is expecting the word of God to do what it says. Faith is depending upon the word of God only. And expecting that word only to do what the word says. Justification by faith, then, is justification by depending on the word of God only and expecting the word only to accomplish it. Justification by faith is righteousness by faith because justification is being declared righteous by God. Faith comes by the word of God. Justification by faith then is justification that comes by the word of God. Righteousness by faith is righteousness that comes by the word of God. He does it all. The word of God is self-fulfilling. Since God simply spoke in order to make all things in creation, he spoke and created things. And when the word was made flesh on earth, Jesus stilled the raging sea, cleansed the lepers, healed the sick, raised the dead, and forgave sins all by his word. His word. Thus, if we, if we grasp it, faith brings peace. Romans 5.1, Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with God? If not, are you willing to accept that maybe it's from unbelief. Unbelief. Dear friends, the remedy is to take the trust that you've placed in yourself or your feelings or your thoughts or your circumstances and to place it completely on God's word. That's the remedy. Turn your eyes to Jesus and behold the one who offers peace, rest, and salvation. Did you know that as a Christian, the very righteousness of God has been given to you? The very righteousness of God has been given to you. It's yours through faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3, starting at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were all in need of this righteousness of God. Thus it was given to all. In closing, I'd like to take you back to 1888 and share with you the words of one of the young preachers that Ellen White supported at the Minneapolis Conference. Concerning this 
verse on the screen. A.T. Jones said this, quote, and now the righteousness of God is made known. Now is at this time, at this very moment, even while you read this text, at this very moment, then the righteousness of God is manifested for all who believe. Do not believe, do you believe in Jesus Christ now at this moment? Do you? If you say yes, then now, at this very moment, the righteousness of God is made known to you and upon you. Do you believe it? The word of God says that it is. Do you say that it is? And if you do not say that it is, then do you believe the word? When the Lord says plainly to you that his righteousness is now manifested unto you and upon you, and you do not say that it is now, manifested unto you and upon you, then do you really believe the Lord? When he plainly says a thing to you and you will not say that that thing is true to you, then do you really believe him? But when you acknowledge that what he says is true to you now at this very moment, then that thing is true in him and in you. This is believing God. It is believing his word. This is having his word abiding in you, unquote. Continuing into the next verses, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. A.T. Jones continues, quote, will you let the sins go now, this moment, and take the righteousness, righteousness which he has set forth purposely to give and to which he now, this moment, freely gives, unquote. And then the final verse. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. A.T. Jones concludes, quote, O poor trembling, doubting soul, is not this assurance enough that now, at this moment, the righteousness of God is yours? That now you are being justified freely by his grace. That now, at this present time, righteousness is declared to you for the remission of your sins that are past. Here is the word of God, the word of righteousness, the word of life to you now, at this present time. Will you be made righteous by it now? Will you live by it now? This is justification by faith. This is righteousness by faith. It is the simplest thing in the world. It is simply whether the word of God shall be true in you now or not. Now at this present time, it is true. It is true in him. Now at this present time, let it be true in you, unquote. Pretty powerful sermon, right? Pretty straight to the point, trusting God's word to do what it says. There it is, dear friends. I hope you choose to accept this lesson on faith. This may seem too good to be true. 
But if the good news of the gospel isn't the greatest and best thing that you've ever heard, then maybe you haven't heard it yet. Receive the gospel. Believe the word. The righteousness of God has been given to you. And the righteous live by faith. Amen and amen. As we close, I'd like to offer you a practical way to apply something from today's sermon. So go ahead and pull out your phones. Take a picture of this week's secret place practice. How different would your life look if you chose to set your mind on things above? As Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, whenever life got tough. As Christians, we do not live according to the circumstances of life. We live according to faith. This week, choose to place your faith in Jesus, your Redeemer. In the accompanying text is Romans 1.17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious, heavenly Father, Lord, we Thank you so much for the measure of faith that you have placed within each one of us, according to your word. Lord, we want to live out that faith. Lord, we want to believe. Lord, we want to place all of our trust, all of our assurance, all of our hope in your word, in the power of your word to change reality, to create new things, to take dry bones and make them alive, to take an old stony heart and replace it with a heart of flesh, to take a vulgar mind and renew it to something pure. Lord, we thank you that you are the God that never leaves us or forsakes us. You are the God that chose to redeem us and to adopt us as your sons and daughters. You are the God that chose to fill us with your spirit. And so, Lord, we just want to accept it. We want to thank you for it, and we want to walk this thing out. So, Lord, as we go through our weeks, give us opportunities, not just to walk this out in our own life, but to share this good news with others. Give us opportunities to bear someone else's burdens. Give us opportunities to be there for someone in their lowest point. Give us opportunity to share your love and your grace, to reflect your character with somebody that maybe hasn't met you yet. Lord, we give ourselves to you now, and we ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.